When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Paul Wallace with us, international best-selling author whose books probe the world's ancestral narratives for their insight into human origins, human potential, and our place in the cosmos. And as a senior churchman, Paul served for 33 years as a church doctor, theological educator, an archdeacon in the Anglican Church in Australia. He has published numerous titles on Christian mysticism and spirituality and is a popular speaker at conferences all around the world. His latest work is called The Eden Conspiracy, Ancient Memories of E.T. Contact and the Bible Before God. Paul, welcome back. How have you been? G'day, George. I'm fantastic, thanks, and it's wonderful to be with you again. Thank you. You have done it again with the Eden Conspiracy, my friend. Tell me a little bit about this one. Well, thank you so much, and I should say thank you for your endorsement on the cover. Absolutely. Because your encouragement, it means the world to me. In the Eden Conspiracy, basically I've circled back to the Bible where I began this journey into ancient E.T. contact, and I asked the question, what are the ancient texts about? If we can accept that there are ET entities lurking in those texts that we thought were all about God, and it turns out they're about paleo contact as well, what was the purpose of those texts? What was it our ancestors wanted us to know and to learn when they wrote those texts? Is it about God? Is it about aliens? Or is it about something else? And as I've probed the root meanings of key words, I've discovered there's a really rich education being offered us by our ancestors who bequeathed the Bible to us, lessons in emotional intelligence, uh, social progress, lessons about covert government and hidden hands in politics and economics. There is so much education offered us once we begin reading the text through a different lens. Paul, I've always wondered when the Bible discusses fallen angels... I've always wondered if those fallen angels might have been ETs. What do you think? Yes, I do think some of the fallen angel stories are 
what we would call ETs. And it's a funny word, angels, because when people hear it, they interpret it in a, uh, in a religious way. They think this must mean a, a spiritual being or an emissary of God. But the word angel actually only indicates the function of the being you're looking at. It tells you that this is an entity on a mission or with a message or sent by someone else. But it, the word angel doesn't actually tell you what kind of being it is. And so when you read about fallen angels in the book of Enoch, for instance, it turns out you are looking at flesh and blood entities who could hybridize with human beings. So that's not how we usually think of angels, is it? No, not at all. And of course, you've come to your conclusion about this, about uh, ET contact with our ancestors. How did you come to this idea? It was really through my background in Bible translation. So I spent 15 years training pastors in hermeneutics, which is the principles of interpreting ancient texts. And so we would learn source analysis, working out where the texts have come from. Are we reading the original form? If not, how do they differ from the original? Form analysis, what kind of literature is, is it? And then always we ask the fundamental question, what do the words mean? What's the root meanings in these texts? And it was really those three questions. When I applied them to anomalies in the text, I found there was another story, just a translation away from being blindingly obvious, that was about something quite unfamiliar to me, and it was the story of paleo contact. We've heard a lot about uh, the Brigadier General of uh, Israel, Chaim Eshman. Talk about his contact and what he has been saying. Well, he is an extraordinary figure. For 27 years, Brigadier General Ham Eshed was Israel's chief of space security. And in Christmas 2020, he held a meeting in which he announced that he was publishing a book sharing with the world his knowledge on the topic of contact. Now, bear in mind, it was his job to know if contact was happening, and it had been his job for 27 years. He was a very authoritative, credible person. And at the age of 80, he stands up in front of the press and he says, on the basis of his knowledge, we have been in contact at a covert government level for decades and decades, that there is technology technology sharing going on, that our visitors, who are many, comprise a galactic federation, and that many are here as part of their own research projects. And he didn't go into great detail as to what the research was, other than the USA, Israel, and other world powers were in on these arrangements. Now, it's one thing to read that in the National Enquirer from someone you've never heard of, right. but when it's someone with the credibility of Hayam Eshet, you take it seriously. And he was only echoing what we'd heard from other credible figures around the world. And when he said it, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is exactly the same as what the Bible says in its stories of the Sky Council. What it calls the Sky Council, Hayam Eshed calls the Galactic Federation. And he has no reason to lie, Paul, does he? He's got nothing to gain from it. People might say, oh, he's just trying to sell a book. But really, someone of that credibility at that age, do you really think that's the motivation? I don't think so. He's a very credible person. He's taken a great risk. The natural response of people is bafflement and ridicule. But he's willing to wear that because he feels the topic is that important. 
What about the possibilities, too, that uh, mankind received a leap of information to allow us to go from one point to another quickly? Oh, I think this has happened many times. I mean, people talk about the technological leaps that we made after the Second World War, which was a time of intense UFO sightings, and those who join the dots feel that's when this technological collaboration began in modern times. But I think you can go back 10,000 years ago and listen to the Babylonian story of Oannes and the Apkalu, or you can go back 60,000 years ago, listen to Aboriginal Australian story from the Yongu people of the Mimi spirits, and you're hearing about another intervention. In the Bible, we've got stories of Dagon and Asherah, and they were entities who were remembered for having come in the deep past and taught our ancestors how to farm, which plants were good to avoid, which were good for food, which were good for medicine, which were good for unlocking our brains, higher powers. And cultures all around the world have these stories of visitors from the stars coming and enabling us to make that great leap forward that turned us from living in subsistence on the planet's surface to being civilization builders. Paul Wallace with us. His book is called The Eden Conspiracy. We'll take calls next hour with Paul. Paul, again, who was uh, Asherah? Asher is a very interesting figure. She was a female entity remembered by the ancient tribes of Israel. We can find figurines of her scattered throughout ancient Judea and throughout the Levant and, and far beyond. She's emphatically female. The, the carvings emphasize the vulva, the breast, big bouffant hair. And she is remembered as the one who came with others, I believe, and taught our ancestors the secrets of farming. And with farming, come surpluses, and with surpluses comes specialization. That's when you can begin building cities and becoming a civilization. So she was the one that the ancient tribes of Israel commemorated. And to the extent that great kings like Solomon built temples and had altars and employed priests to do services and acts of commemoration to honor her for her contribution to human history. Then there was uh, Shiva Hasamayim. Oh, the Shiva Hasamayim is a fascinating thread in the story of the Bible. It means the sky armies. Now, a lot of traditional translations render it as the heavenly host. But I think when you hear the words heavenly host, you're probably thinking about Christmas carols and picturing ah, the seating of the Sistine Chapel. That's right. But the root meaning is sky armies. And if I say that, you'll begin to picture people who might actually have some equipment with them, some armaments with them. And when we read the stories of the sky armies, yes, they had armaments, they had airborne technology, and the memory of them was really central to ancient Jewish practice until the 8th century BCE, when kings and high priests started coming on the scene who wanted to airbrush all that memory out and just pare Judaism down so that it was just monotheism, but with none of the memory of these other beings. But there were carvings of the Tzeva Hashemayim throughout Judea and even in the Jerusalem temple. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. 
At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The subtitle of your book is fascinating, Ancient Memories of E.T. Contact and the Bible Before God. How can we have a Bible before God? I know I'm being a bit cheeky uh, with that subtitle, but I... It works, it works. It does intrigue people, because we think of the Bible as being all about God. And God is certainly uh, in the book, and I'm happy to call it God's book, but it's God's book about many things. And many of the stories that we've translated as God's stories are actually stories of paleocontact, which ancient translators have struggled to understand, and they've turned them into God's stories. It's quite challenging because there's a word we're very familiar with, Yahweh or Jehovah, and it's the holy name for God. 
And that concept is there in the Bible, but that name occurs in much older stories, stories of other kinds of entity, the Elohim, the powerful ones, or El Elyon, the powerful one, the most senior, or El Shaddai, the powerful one, the destroyer. And these root meanings clue us that there are stories earlier than our God stories that have provided the core of some of these ancient biblical narratives. How far back, Paul, do you think we were visited? Or, and was it an ongoing thing? I think we've been visited many, many times. If we look at the Sumerian kings list, it's very interesting that the dates on that, measured in years and sars, take us back to just over 200,000 years ago. And I believe there was a visitation then that was a, a kind of colonization. And our ancestors were on the planet at that time, similar in looks and build, but not quite as clever. Not clever enough to build a farm or, or build a city, but clever enough to mine for somebody else. And I think that was happening then. And then there was certainly another intervention 10,000 years ago. That's the Babylonian story of Oannes and the Apkalu. And the Asherah story in the Bible, I think that's around 60,000 years ago, the one that really began lifting us as a species, giving us the foundations of life as a civilization. But there have probably been many other interventions besides. You base a lot of your books on Eden. Tell us why. Well, Eden is, if I say the word Eden, we think of that as the place of human origin. Right. And I, I find that the Bible and ancestral narratives all around the world are very interested in human origins. But when we go back to those stories, it turns out they're not actually stories of beginnings. They're stories of a rehabilitation of our planet after a catastrophe and a, a tweaking of Homo sapiens to get us a little bit smarter. So Eden isn't what we thought it was. And that's why I keep using that name to take us back to that point that defines who are we, what are we capable of, and who comprises our wider cosmic family. And it's in Eden we find the answers. Where do you think these ETs came from, Paul? Was it one sect, one race, or did they come from all over the universe? I think many. Uh, Hamish Ed talks about a federation, which implies many demographics. Dmitry Medvedev, the previous uh, prime minister of Russia, wouldn't say how many ET demographics we were in contact with because he said he didn't want to panic people. And when I read ancient ancestral narrative, there are a few regions of space that keep getting named. So we have the Pleiades, we have Sirius, we have Orion. So that's at least three regions of space named. And from those different regions, there may be different factions coming from those areas. So I think now in the modern day, I think there are a great many ET demographics interested in planet Earth and Project Humanity even more, perhaps, than when our ancestors left us these ancient stories. Did you find uh, references to ancient technology in the Bible? Oh, absolutely. And again, this comes partly from going to root meanings of words. So, kavod, which we translate as glory, means a big heavy thing. And when you look at what the big heavy thing does in the text, you realize it launches and lands and shakes the land when it does so. We have the word tub translated as goodness, but you look at how it behaves in the text, and it's really a word that means gear or equipment. Get into the book of Ezekiel, and you've got these items, the keli mapasau 
and the Kalimashatau, one is a disintegrator and one is a destroyer, and they're powerful enough that six individuals can ethnically cleanse an entire district with them. You've got the Urim and Thummim, which are communications devices. So there are heaps of words that suggest ancient technology. And one of the most interesting things you can do when you find those words is leave them untranslated and then just watch what they do in the text. And you'll see that they are doing technological things. Paul Wallace's websites are linked up at coasttocoastam.com. He's also got presence on YouTube that's available to you as well. Fascinating technology. And how did you find, was, how did you discover these things? Well, it was I initially an ultimate frisbee injury, which uh, knocked me out of action. It meant I was off work for a while. For, and for, you're not kidding, are you? I'm not kidding. So ultimate frisbee, in case people don't know, is like a combination of frisbee and, and rugby football, let's say. And, and it can be rough. And so I injured myself, I was convalescing, and in my books I use that as a bit of a code for all the time the universe has gifted me for study. And I just followed the white rabbit of Bible translation, going to root meanings of keywords, and it was as I did that that I began noticing the moral behavior of some of these entities and then the technological behavior of some of these items we don't really know what they are, but we know what they do. And it's really been Bible translation that's opened it all up for me. It's tremendous, Paul. It really is. The work you've been doing. How many years you've been at this now? Well, five years producing the Eden series. So that's Escaping from Eden, The Scars of Eden, Echoes of Eden, and now The Eden Conspiracy. But it had been in my mind, really, since the time I was 11 years old, which is when my mum and dad introduced me to Eric von Daniken. So for decades, I knew there was something there I needed to get back to and pay some attention to. And when I actually did the work, the Bible translation work, I was blown away by how much was in the Bible. And it was then I remembered that was actually Eric von Daniken's way into the topic in the first That's place true. 50 years ago. And not a lot of it is interpretation. A lot of it is just right there under your nose. That's exactly right. That's why I say it's an interesting exercise not to translate these words, so there's no argument about translation. Just look at what they do. Look at what the items do. Look at what the characters do. And it becomes clear very quickly when you do that that you are looking at stories of colonization and advanced technology. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. 
Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.